Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Jersnet podcast. Well, the games are coming thick and fast and the football is well and truly back. This week on the show, we've got two Rangers wins to dissect, starting off with a strong, resolute, if not overly exciting 2-0 win over our cheery neighbour St Mirren. We'll have a look back at all the talking points from another sturdy display, despite being a man short for the majority of the game. And then we'll discuss what might well go down as one of the great Ibrox European nights, as we dispatched Maribor last Thursday evening, and we'll look ahead to a massive midweek fixture in Slovenia. And finally, the English transfer window closed this week, which had a few repercussions on the squad. We'll provide an update on the ins and outs and we'll look at all the latest speculation. My name's Ross Bennett and I'll be your Jersnet podcast host today. And I'm delighted to say that we're joined firstly this evening by one of our regulars, David Fraser. David, how's things this evening? Not too bad, thanks Ross. Uh, yeah, another good victory today and uh, on the back of Thursday night, so all looking good. Aye, absolutely. And secondly, we've got the man who seems to have placed a bugging device on Mark Allen's phone because there's no other way that he's getting those transfer scoops. From the excellent Four Lads Had a Dream blog, we're joined tonight by Stevie Clifford. Stevie, welcome back to the pod and thanks for joining us. Hi, good evening guys, how are you? Aye, very, very good, thank you. Right, like I say, we've got plenty to discuss this evening, so we're going to crack straight on. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday night, it's just a few hours after the final whistle, um, so for us it's, it's all very fresh. We've just beaten St Mirren 2-0 uh, in, in the first league game at Ibrooks for the season. Stevie, I'll come to you first. There's been a, there was a number of changes in the starting lineup today. Um, obviously, we played Maribor only only a few days ago, so there was a number of changes. Borna Barisic comes in for his debut. Tavernier dropped to the bench. Uh, Jamie Murphy comes back to the to the starting lineup. Do you think that this was maybe a little bit of a, a shuffle about because it's a European fatigue? Yeah, didn't really read too much into the um, starting 11 or subsequent bench today. Um, obviously, Arfield would be in there. Um, others obviously Tav you would expect Tav to start being the captain things like that so for today um, in my opinion he's just shuffled his, his, his pack slightly um, a wee rest here and there for those that maybe needed it um, the wingers obviously from midweek Kandé is putting a power of shift Arfield again in the middle so yeah I, I wasn't surprised um, by today's um, team selection um, also as well he would have wanted to look at Barisic and from what we did see him over the 60 minutes, he can be really happy. He looks like he's going to be a cracking player for us. He's got an excellent left foot. And his delivery, as we've seen for the second goal, was excellent. So, yeah, all in all, wasn't really surprised with the lineup. Um, didn't really um, make much sense ahead of Thursday night to play guys that maybe were a wee bit fatigued and things. So, yeah, all in all, aye, that, just what I considered, just what I was expecting, really. So, no issues with there were the 11 he selected, to be honest. No, I think you're right. Um, but, but David, I think something for me that, that stuck out was that this was a much-changed squad, but still a very strong squad. Um, I don't know if you feel the same or if you think that this was maybe a slightly weaker start in 11 with you know, one eye on the fact that St Mirren are a slightly weaker opposition, we're at home, um, and obviously we've got an eye on Thursday. Uh, but for me, it was still a strong team. How important is that strength and depth going to be over a long campaign, hopefully, if we do continue to progress in Europe? Well, it's vital, Ross. Um, I agree with you. I think the the, the lineup was was strong, um, given the, the the fixture that we had to, to take on. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought the performance was, was good. Uh, obviously, um, 
Borna Barisic coming in at left back and John Flanagan moving over to his more natural side. Um, yeah, so I, th- I, th- I thought everyone um, played well for, until uh, obviously Ross McCrory gets sent off. And um, yeah, all, all the players are putting in a shift. I think the, I think it's, it's, it's there for, for most fans to see that you know, there's been a step change in, in how we approach matches. Um, we look fitter. Um, we look as if we've got more stamina. Um, and obviously, as, as the game wore on, I mean, that's two, two 90 minutes uh, inside the space of um, seven days that we've, uh, we've went a, a good distance in, in terms of time played with 10 men. So it, it, it looked, for all intents and purposes, you know, in terms of um, managing the game, that the Rangers are 11 men in the park. Obviously, you know, with a lack of maybe clear-cut chances that Rangers created, even though they, they did create some chances. Um, you could point to the fact, you know, there was a man missing. But but I think overall, I think the 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 team and the substitutes that come on showed that, you know, we've definitely progressed in terms of strength and depth. I think you're really spot on to bring up the the stamina, which is a huge point because, like you say, you know, we've played two league matches and, and the majority of that's been with 10 men. I've seen a stat going around this evening that we've played 180 league minutes of football this season and 140 of those were with 10 men. So out of two matches, we've played 40 minutes with 11 men. Um, and in that time, we've conceded two goals on target, two shots on target, sorry. So 140 minutes with 10 men, two shots on target against. And that shows discipline and structure and mental strength, but it also shows stamina and, and physical ability to get through that. And, and the more we see this kind of stamina and, and physical ability, the more I think that those 10 days the lads had out in Spain must have really had a big impact because you're right, we are fitter than we've seen for a while, um, which is great to see. David, staying with you, we, we, you've both mentioned already Borna Barisic came in for his for his debut. Um, and I'll be honest, when it first the signing happened quickly, but when it first sort of got announced that we were linked with Borna Barisic, I sort of couldn't see the point because I thought we've got Tavit right back, who's captain, not likely to be dropped very often. Flanagan's come in and done a solid job at left back. We've got reasonable cover in Declan John. Obviously, now that's no longer the case. But I sort of couldn't see the point in spending another million and a half, two million pounds on a fullback. Um, I think today, even though he was only on for an hour, showed that I was wrong and that he can be a very, very important player for us. David, what did you make of his debut? The, the one thing that, that, that kind of stuck out for me was, was how high up the pitch he was. Now, that, that could be... You know, the, the tactics uh, that were set out to combat the opposition that's in front of them. During the, the, the two games against Osijek, I thought Borna Barisic uh, stuck it with a sore thumb for them. Um, he's obviously the captain. Scored a goal in the second leg, um, put some great balls in um, to their strikers uh, in, the, in the first leg at their place. And uh, yeah, I think he's. I think it looks good. Um, obviously, today he didn't really see too much of his defensive capability, although he made some some decent blocks. Uh, and as Stevie quite rightly mentioned, he put a, a nice ball on um, Conor Goldson's head for the second goal. So, yeah, I think there's, I think there's more to come from Borna. And uh, I look forward to seeing when he gets up to speed and he gets used to, to the Scottish game and uh, he settles in and we can see how well-rounded he is as a player. Yeah, definitely. It's exciting. It's exciting to be shopping in different markets as well that we've not seen for... You know, a few years, Mark Warburton constantly raiding English Championship and League One rejects and, and thinking that they could cut it up here. And it's good to see us shopping in these markets. And, it, you know, it does raise a wee smile, us beating Ossiek and then going back to, to take their captain off them. It's a bit like 
pumping someone's wife and then going back round to steal the telly. Obviously, right, we better we better discuss the the actual football in the park today. It was um, I thought the first half hour was was strong um, and and showed the the pressing game that that Gerard wants to play. There was maybe a little bit of Euro fatigue, a bit of a hangover there, um, but I thought the first half hour especially was pretty good. Stevie, what did you make of the way that we started the game before the red card? Thought we were excellent. We maybe slightly slower start the first couple of minutes, but then once we found our rhythm, they really had no answer. And I would have it's so frustrating um, the way that the, the red card happened because I would have loved to have seen us um, 11 v 11 for the rest of the match because I think that we would have dominated them. So Merrin were, were all right. They were decent enough. I don't think they'll be the worst team we see at Ibrox this season. Um, but it was it's exciting. I was excited to the first twenty minutes the way we move and there's a, there's a just a massive difference to this side now, Rangers, in that, that not only are we moving the ball properly, the way we're set up, the way we're we're tactically set up, and the way we're tactically managed from the sidelines, it's all it all looks like they know what they're doing, and not only that, even even the, the personal performances and stuff like that from the players' individual performances. We're now actually a threat from corners and set pieces and things like that. And I know that's basic and teams should be expecting that, but the dross that we have had served up for years, to actually see this now, it's, it's not only is it a release, but it's exciting. It's just, this is what it should be. And there, I just think that watching this now, I'm trying to keep myself kind of grounded because this is, it is now exciting. It was St Mirren today and you couldn't find a ticket anywhere. And I just think that everybody's buying into it. And I think that we can be happy with it. It's worth remembering what Gerard's only had, seven, eight, nine games, whatever it is now, and we're already starting to look like we're well-drilled, we're well-organised, and we know what we're doing. And this short space of time to be turning in the kind of performances that we have been, I'm pretty happy with it. I know what you're saying. I think the difficulty is that we've had a few false dawns up to this point, though. You know, we've had... A few games where he thought, right, that's that's us turned the corner. But I think you're right. I think there's something different. There's a different feeling about the team at the minute. There's a different atmosphere around the club. It feels like we are properly back. You know, looking at the table, the league table tonight, we're above Celtic for the first time in six years. That feels nice in itself. But it feels like we are back. It feels like we're we have the right mindset, the right arrogance that a Rangers team needs to have and I think a lot of that is down to Steven Gerrard and his team coming in and just saying you know we're not taking any nonsense anymore this is a team of winners now and, and they've sorted out the mentality and that was a really important step obviously the game changed after around about half an hour today um, Ross McCrory got himself sent off a straight red card second straight red card in two games uh, for, for Rangers and again it, it, it totally changed the game I think personally, this week, um, there's not so much controversy as there was last week with, with Morelos getting sent off up at Aberdeen. Um, Stevie, you first. What, was it a red card? Yeah, it was a clear red card, yeah, unfortunately. Um, as I was saying to the guys in the ground, I'm actually a qualified referee. So for me, um, it was actually, it would have been better if the, the tackle was made in the box because then it become if it's a, a clear... Um, denying a clear goal-scoring opp uh, opportunity and he's in the box but he's made a valid attempt to get the ball which arguably he did then we could have got away with a penalty and a caution however because it was outside the box he's denying a clear goal-scoring opportunity there's no double jeopardy law it's 
so it's a straight red, and I don't have any complaints with it. He's, he, it's reckless from McCrory. Um, he's diving in at an angle from behind, which he's never really going to get clean contact with the ball without taking the man first. Um, it's inexperience. So unfortunately, yeah, no, no complaints really. Um, correct decision, and it just it killed the game dead, and it kind of killed our performance at that point. So that's that's where my frustration comes in, unfortunately. No, I'm I'm on the same page as you, David. How about yourself? Any complaints with the red card? No, I wouldn't uh, have too many complaints uh, at the time. Um, when 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 Don Robertson uh, blew his whistle, you're thinking, right, he's he's going to walk here. Um, even though I must confess, I thought that given that it was outside the box and given the close proximity of uh, some Rangers defenders, i.e. I think Conor Goldson and Nico Katic, I thought it was a, a, a tad harsh. I've not seen it back. Um, if Stevie's saying there that he, that he lunged in um, and didn't play the ball, uh, then I'll, I'll go with, with Stevie's judgment. Um, where I sit on the ground, I, I had a pretty good view of it. Um, but as Stevie quite rightly says, when you make that type of challenge, either from an angle, but you're coming from the rear of the of the player that's on the ball, you've, you've got to make contact with the ball. You've got to, this, the overwhelming majority of the, the, the tackle has to, to be you making contact with the ball. Uh, and obviously, in the, the referee's judgment, that wasn't the case. And uh, Ross, um, unfortunately, showed a, a bit of immaturity there and, and had to go. Um, it's, it's a shame, but, but you're right. And we can't have complaints about the fact that, you know, on this occasion, it was a reckless challenge and by the letter of the law, he has to walk and that's fine. Um, and, and actually over the past week, especially, you know, since, since the Morelos incident up at Aberdeen last week, there's been a lot of negative media aimed at Rangers and Rangers fans and having a paranoia about refereeing decisions. And here, the referee was right. The referee should have sent off Ross McCrory and that's fine. It was a mistake from the player. The... The bit where I start to have a bit of difficulty is when you compare that to other decisions, not necessarily other decisions in the game today. I thought the ref was was okay. He let a fair amount go. Um, but other decisions across the league and across the different matches, and you look back to Aberdeen last week and Dominic Ball not even being booked for denying a clear goal-scoring opportunity in the box where he didn't make any attempt to get to the ball when he, when he pulls down Josh Windass with an open goal. And that's not even a card. That's where the complaint comes in. That's where we start to grumble. And that's not a paranoia thing. That's not a conspiracy thing. It's just a raising the standards issue for me. David, this is not the first time that Ross McCrory has shown a little bit of immaturity, maybe a bit of naivety, lunged into a, t- a tackle that he didn't need to, that kind of thing. And he's a young player um, who's still learning his trade. Would it be the worst idea in the world for McCrory to go out on loan? Or do you think it would be better for his development to, to stay at Ibrox? Personally, I think it would be better for him to stay in the first team squad. Um, he's not played a lot of football, Ross. Um, and the reason I, I would say that he, he's, he'd be better served staying with us, um, had he, had, let's say, for instance, it was maybe a season further on in his development uh, and you know, Stevie brings in some of his own players and, and he slips down the pecking order. I could see the, the, the strength in sending him out and loan there because then he, the chances are if he was if he was sent out to maybe a, a smaller team, he might be one of the, the main men in the dressing room. Whereas I think that the, the overwhelming benefit of him 
staying um, within the, the first team environment, learning from guys like Gary McAllister and Stephen Gerrard. Um, I think that that uh, experience that we imparted onto uh, or to him rather will be um, really beneficial in the long run. Is Ross has got some tremendous attributes, um, mainly physical. Uh, technically, he's 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 still a bit raw. Um, and I think that there's, there's definitely more to come from him. And I mean, you're going to probably see that there'll be benefits. You'll see the benefit of hanging on to Ross later in the season, I think. Because um, as I say, the longer he goes on training day on day, um, he's going to get some games. I don't think he'll be necessarily an automatic um, pick in the, the first um, the first team lineup. Uh, but I think you'll definitely see the, the benefit of him hanging about, and for him, um, he can only he can only improve. And today, you know, you'll you'll be feeling it tonight, sitting at home, thinking, "Why did I do that?" And as long as he goes in, he holds his hands up. He's, he probably went into the dressing room and said, "Sorry, lads, I let you down a wee bit there, but you know, um, an error in judgment." But if he if he knuckles down and he learns and he, he doesn't make the same mistake again, then we can we can let that go to the end. It's just uh, it's part of his, his, his learning curve. I take the point, and I think he does. You're right. He has he has some wonderful attributes, and he has a lot of potential to go very very far in the game. Um, I think he does the, the basics really well a lot of the time. But, but what I question sometimes is just it's just his decision making, and it's a maturity thing. It's that he'll sometimes make the wrong decision. I think, and so I wonder if it would be preferable for him to go and improve that side of things more the mental side of the game in an environment where there's less pressure um, to go and learn better decision making somewhere where 50,000 people aren't going to be on your back when when something goes wrong Stevie how about yourself do you think it'd be better to hang on to him for the season or to, to let him go to another STL club maybe somewhere that he could be one of the standout performers week in week out no I think you just basically agree with what's been said that he's he's better he's better here learning from Stephen Gerrard and Gary McAllister, who are two of the most um outstanding midfielders for their countries in the last I don't know, last 10, 15, 20 years. If he can't learn off them, then he's never going to make it. But in Ross's defence, I would say as well, Ross has been shifted about quite a bit. He's went from right back to centre back. Now he's a defensive midfielder. He's still young, he's still raw, he's going to make mistakes. Today is a learning curve for him. And the funny thing was, his first 15-20 minutes were excellent. In the middle, he was winning tackles, he was strong, he was using his, his strength. But like any youngster, over to eager to impress and, and keep his his place in the team and that. He's just, he's just made a basic error today. It'll be pointed out to him and he learns. And as was already said there, that if he doesn't learn from this, this is where we would worry and maybe look at it again at Christmas time. Is he is he not learning? Is he not developing as we are? Does he need more constant 90 minutes then perhaps revisit it there? But for me, he's the best, possibly one the best youngster um, coming through at the moment. And we have to try and nurture him and develop him ourselves. And that's an important remit for the, the management team as well. And they're more than capable with their experience of doing it. So for me, he stays and he, he continues with the first team. Maybe look at it again at Christmas if it's not going well. I think it's, that's, that's a fair point. It's very well put. Today, he did not cost the team, right? We didn't go on and, and win 5-0, which it looked like we could have done in the first 25 minutes. Um, 
But ultimately, he's he's let himself down. He'll miss a game or two with a suspension. Ryan Jack should be coming back in, so it's, it's fine. The team doesn't particularly suffer from today. It's just, um, you're right, you know, he's, he's got two of the greatest role models he could possibly have in that position, and, and it's uh, he's an exciting player. And I think he's a player that could have a, a hell of a future at Rangers and, and beyond that if he wanted to. So it's, he's, a, he's a great player to have around the squad, you're right. So obviously he goes off after about half an hour and, and we're left to play another 60 minutes of football with 10 men. Um, and, and Alan Stubbs is, you know, he's a butt of a few jokes, but he's no mug in the way that he sets his team up, especially against Rangers. He always sets his team up well. Um, I think again today he, he made the right tactical decision to set up in, in such a way to try and frustrate Rangers. Um, and, you know, it would have been quite easy to, to fold and capitulate under the pressure of that. Uh, but we didn't. We held out firm and, and, and came away 2-0 winners. Stevie, for the rest of the 60 minutes, um, who particularly impressed you today? Um, Ovia Jaria. I thought he was excellent in midfield. I've, I've seen a different side to him. I thought we were getting a number 10 full of tricks and kind of speed and things like that. But what we've actually got is somebody, I think, that maybe is suited to a slightly deeper role. More of a, a, a midfielder, a central midfielder than I thought we were getting. I thought his work rate, um, some of his tackling, um, some of his pressing was excellent. There was one in the second half where he pressed right into the box. He managed to get it and had a wee left foot shot. He was the one that impressed me. Aside of, aside of what we already know, um, in terms of Golson, Katic, Barisic, 60 minutes, um, Koulibaly is just an absolute monster. He is incredible. He's the guy that we've been wanting now for the last five or six years. So aside of that performance and Alfredo Morello starting to look like he's Alfredo Morello's of old, Ejaria was the one that impressed me because maybe, maybe I wasn't slightly expecting that type of performance for him because once we went down, to the two central midfielders with Ross going off, I thought maybe with him being there, we're going to be overrun. But to all credit to him, I thought he was excellent. I really did. And he was the one for me that stood out. I covered a lot of ground today, to, to be fair to him. And you know, he, he did put in a shift and he did a lot of good work off the ball as well. Um, I sometimes worry, that we've not seen enough of him to come to a, a real conclusion, but it's been a, a wee bit of a worry maybe that he wants a little bit too much time on the ball, um, which, you know... <laughs> In my whole lifetime watching Scottish football, one of the things you pick up is that you're not going to get time on the ball. Um, so maybe that's something he needs to learn. But no, it was it was definitely his best performance so far for us. David, how about yourself? Did anyone catch your eye today? Um, no, no one, no one really stuck out like a sore thumb for me. No, I thought there was there was some really good performances. Um, as you've mentioned, there Alfie looked looked apart. He's he's playing well. Uh, Steve mentioned Ovia Jaria was was pretty good. He, he, he tried a wee bit much once in the in the, the centre of the park and, and get caught. Uh, the guys at the back were decent again, um, but to be brutally frank, Ross, um, the guy for me that, that's 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 setting the whole scene, if you like, and giving the whole team a platform, is Alan McGregor. The difference he's made has been monumental. It's been night and day from what it was before last season. Um, and I think he's just, he inspires confidence in the guys in front of him. Um, they're decent players themselves, the, the, the two centre-halves and the, the backs. But, uh, you know, you've got, you've got a top-class goalkeeper there, somebody that's been over the course, somebody that doesn't look, um, you know, he's, he's, he, he never flaps, he never looks in any real danger. 
he's just experienced and he, whenever he's called any action, you know, he, he made some some smart saves the other night. He didn't, didn't have to do too much today. He had a couple of punches uh, out of the, the box and crosses coming into, the, coming into a six-yard area um, from corners and wide areas. But uh, yeah, I would say that, that Alan is um, quietly and inconspicuously um, uh, looking really, really good. Uh, his, his signing seems to have made a big impact on the fans collectively because, I mean, when it was, I, thought, I always thought Fodringham was a decent keeper, not spectacular, but not nearly as bad as a lot of people would have you believe. But you still, whenever the ball was being played to him at feet, or, you know, you'd, you'd always just have a little bit of hesitancy or a little question mark, a bit of nerves about what he's going to do. And, and you would always worry that there might be a howler in him. But McGregor, it just seeing him back in, in between the sticks, it just instills a, a different level of confidence, doesn't it? It just it brings a calmness and an assured quality. And you can see the way he communicates with his with his backline. And you know, Katic and Goldson are are still young and still to a degree learning what it means to be a centre back at, at, at a really high level. Um and having McGregor behind them just it really does instill a lot of confidence in me as a fan and and I didn't think I would feel as delighted at him being back as, as I actually do because you're right, David. It, it does. It just makes you feel much more secure and much more confident. Um, and I think that could that could turn out to be a really a really good bit of business. Obviously, that's the the positives of today. In that you know we've we've gone down to ten men again and, and held firm and come away with a clean sheet in the two 0 win. But St Mirren at home is probably going to be one of the easiest fixtures we have on paper, at least. So, David, what do you think needs to improve for when we come up against more difficult tests in the SPL? In a phrase, chance creation, Ross. Um, we've spoke at length about this in previous pods last season. Um, still a bugbear of mine. Uh, we don't. We're still over the line, and I know James Tavernier didn't, you know, didn't start the game today, um, but I think as we'll probably touch upon in, in the next segment. Uh, the other night against the, the Slovenians, um, there was still an over-reliance, for me anyway, uh, on James Tavernier driving the team forward. Now, it looks as if uh, Stevie's um, partly addressed that by bringing in Borna Barisic, and if we manage to navigate um, the second leg you know, on Thursday to, to progress to the, the playoff round and if we manage to get through that into the group stages I, I think I'm right in saying that, that Borna Barisic is, is eligible to play for us which is going to be good news but in the league campaign I think you'll see Borna um, will be a source of supply um, whether another forward be that a centre forward or, or a striker if you like you know, a, in a, a more loose sense um, whether he can be a creator and and you know, be a, a net contributor in the goal stakes. That'll um, have a, a big bearing on, on where we want to be going forward during the season. Um, so that would be probably the, the number one for me. I think, I think we're looking pretty solid at the back. There's still some some shaky moments where you know, the odd ball goes into the box. We don't seem to get our head on it. Uh, and that can, can start as, you know... The longer that, that type of stuff repeats itself, you know, the guys will get edgy. And against better players, better players will punish you. So we've, we've went away to Pataudry. Um Aberdeen were pretty blunt, uh, if truth be told. But uh, I think that we definitely need to be creating more chances. We can't rely on Alfie 
too much this season going forward. So, I mean, if he, he were to get injured, I think we might, we might um, find ourselves with a bit of a headache. So, it's, it's all for the, the management team to address that and, and hopefully they will before the, the closing of the Scottish transfer window. I'm glad you've mentioned the transfer window there because, you know, it's, it's easy to forget all the media buzz going on this week with the English transfer window closing. We've still got another few weeks of this and there's plenty of time and plenty of speculation as well um, to, to, to bring some, some new faces in. So hopefully we can revisit this in a few weeks' time and, and you know, as you say, we'll, we'll have plugged those gaps in the, in the supply um, and, and things will be looking a wee bit different. So obviously St Mirren was the second game that Rangers played this week after uh, a, a quite stunning 3-1 victory at home against Maribor in the Europa League third qualifying round. Um, obviously, we've had our demons with Maribor in the past and uh, it was really, really encouraging to see the, the performance and, and the atmosphere as well at Ibrox seemed absolutely electric. I was watching this game on Rangers TV because I couldn't get over to Ibrox for this one. So from my perspective watching it online, it seemed like the second half arguably was one of the best performances I've seen from a Rangers side in maybe six or seven years before we went down to Division 3 at the time. Stevie, I take it you were at the game. What did you make of the performance against Maribor? Yeah, I was there. Um, it's funny because we started off really well the first kind of 10, 15 minutes. I thought we were excellent, took the lead. I was quite pleased. And then they got on top of us and I was actually quite worried sitting at half time because there was a number of times we seemed to be getting stepping out and getting caught out in midfield. I was sitting there, I was saying to the guys around us and um, that I was I was worried about this. But the thing that really excited me on Thursday night after the performance, which we'll go back to forms in a minute, was the fact that we have a management team now that are able to see issues. They're able to articulate it back to the players and say, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you need to do better, and this is how we'll sort it. Because that's them come out there. And for me, the second half, not only on the pitch, but in the stands as well, was the best at Ibrox in 10 years. And that's not me kind of over-exaggerating, in my opinion. I just can't remember a second half performance that good in quite a while. I certainly can't remember the fans being that up from it since the times maybe a Walter Smith been there. Thoroughly impressed with us. We moved the ball really well. We were structured. Arfield sat in. We were really well compact. They couldn't break us down. I don't think they had anything in the second half that I remember. And for me, going forward, we moved it a lot better. You'd asked that. You'd asked a question previously on what we could do better, and from the start of the season and going forward. And Davey was mentioning there as well that he he was thinking um, chance creation. For me, what we need to do better is move the ball quicker. Sometimes I feel that we take two and three touches, which won't suit us in the SPL either. On the second half on Thursday, I thought we nailed that. I thought we moved it quick, we moved it sharp. The players all knew where they should be. We were organised and we just broke them down. And the performances individually were excellent as well. On Thursday, I left Ibrox hugely, hugely excited. I was really, really happy with it. And yeah, second half-wise, first 15 minutes in the first half, I think that's the best we've looked in several years. And it's certainly contributed to a, a real buzz at the minute. And it's, it, this is part of the reason that we all think that, that we're back and that things really have changed. And it was, it was down to a really electric night at, at Ibrooks on, on Thursday. David, Stevie mentioned there that the management team seemed to notice that you know, the shape wasn't quite right or certain things weren't working. And actually, Stephen Gerrard himself came out after the, after the game and in his interview he said, 
we noticed that the shape was wrong, we set up incorrectly, things weren't going right, and we changed it. Now, for me, that's incredibly refreshing to hear because, you know, if you take our last two permanent managers, discount Graham Murty as an interim guy, but you think about Pedro, where God knows what his decision-making was at times and, you know, his, his shapes and his lineups and some of it was just baffling. And then you think back to Warburton as well, who hadn't, you know, famously had no plan B. His plan B was to do plan A better. How refreshing is it to have a manager come in who can see things that have gone wrong, that aren't going right, and have the tactical noose to, to change it and to get his message across to the team and change the style and structure of the game? Yes, it's definitely refreshing, Ross. Obviously, I mean, you mentioned the word noose there. I mean, Stevie and, and Gary McAllister, they're bound to have noose. I mean, they've played that position. Obviously, as the two guys got older in their careers, they obviously they dropped back, they became more sitting midfielders. Um, I think that one of the things that stuck out for me in the first half on Thursday night was um, the fact that it was there was only one natural sitting midfielder. I think that's possibly what contributed to some guys breaking out the shape more so than than this has happened of late when, when Ryan Jack and Lasana Cooley Bali have anchored the, the middle of the park. But obviously as you guys have mentioned there, Stevie got them in a half time, obviously recognised that the, the Maribor were getting some joy because of uh, the positional old discipline if you like. Um, and that you know the Slovenians were asking questions of us. Um, some guys were thinking, right, do we do we press? It was almost it, it was it was almost like a flashback to, to the, the the kind of tail end of Murray's time when um, like the likes against Celtic in the cup semi. There were some guys were a bit unsure about when to go, when to stay, and it seemed a wee bit you know disorganised. Um, not that it was overly disorganised the other night. It was just it was when you when you're trying to keep the, you know the back door closed and. and um, stop the, the opposition creating chances. That that's got to be nailed on. I mean, you've got to, everyone's got to be at it. Everyone's got to dovetail nicely. When to when to move about the park and, and when to you know when to make it a high block, when to make it a low block, that kind of stuff. So he recognised that, he addressed it, and uh, as Stevie quite rightly said, I mean they came out uh, the, sec- the traps in the second half and they were on fire for the first five minutes. And um, yeah, it, it was it was good to watch. I take it you were at you were at Ibrox as well, were you, David? Of course, that's how it's the most. So how did uh, how did that atmosphere rank for you then in, in terms of some of the great European nights that we've had at Ibrox? It looked absolutely bouncing. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was it was almost a, a throwback. I think the the you know I've, I've been to far bigger games in terms of the, the level of position, um, but obviously the, the the management team have come in. We've made some good signings. The fans can can see that there's something there. You know, there's the let's call it the blue shoots of recovery um, are there for all to see, and the fans are, are you know they're enthused, and there's there's just a, a level of belief that you know we've got we've got guys in there who have, have operated at the top level, the highest level, and uh, they're imparting their knowledge and wisdom to the playing staff. They've made some good signs. You know that they've. They've got guys that are they're not the red, you know, the, the finished article. They're going to be moulded by, you know, world stars. I mean, Gary McAllister, a lot of people maybe laugh at me saying that, but Gary McAllister was a superb footballer. Um, 
Underrated in this country because he, he didn't play much football in, in, in the Scottish Premier League, albeit he, he played for Motherwell for a time before he went down to, to Leicester. But um, yeah, the, 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 it was just, it, it was great. Uh, the fans were up for it. They get right behind them, which Stevie's asking for. Stevie's, Stevie, you know, he's, he's, he's coming away with, some people might say, platitudes and, and cliched stuff in terms of, you know, making the place a fortress. But the fans did their, did their part. They were the 12th man the other night and and uh, it was it was it was getting back to kind of old times. It, it was it was great to be a Rangers fan the other night. Um, I had a great day. I'd, I went to the European Championships. Uh, took in some swimming and some gymnastics before I went to the game, and it was just it capped off a, a fantastic day for me. Aye, and let's hope that the good times keep going. Um, looking ahead to to this coming Thursday when we have to travel out to Slovenia, I think three one half time in this tie three one is is a very encouraging and yet also very potentially dangerous scoreline. Um, I think I'm right in saying that Maribor played today in the Slovenian League uh, and won 5-0 at home. So they've got goals in them. We knew that already. We know that they're a dangerous side. Going away with, with a 3-1 lead is a difficult one because they've got that dangerous away goal and it's a two-goal cushion. Stevie, if you were the manager, how would you set up here? Would you look to get a a quick away goal in the first 10 minutes hopefully kill the tie off or would you sit back and try and absorb the pressure something that we know that this team is good at is defending when, when there's pressure would you kind of play into that or would you go for the early goal? Uh, no I would I would sit and I would let them force it let them try and play and, and hit on the counter I think we've got players that um, we can set up perfectly for the counter attack Candace would come in um, for example, obviously Harfield comes back in the midfield. Um, hopefully Ryan Jack will be back. All, all signs are that he should play on Thursday. So with him and Koulibaly, you can sit with a good back. You know, your back four, your two sitting. And then your your, your three and your, your striker as well. Two phases, basically, you're playing the team in. And um, just sit and be compact and then spring out if we can. And that's exactly how I would play it. Not dissimilar to what we did in um, Croatia against Osijek. So I think, as you pointed out, we're, we're well set up to defend and soak it up. Um, and hopefully the team can do that because I think if we go out there and get a goal, I think we should be okay. Well, in that regard, do you worry about the left-back position at all, knowing that, that Flanagan's going to be suspended and that Barisic is unavailable for the game? Yes and no. Um, so we're looking at, obviously, we're, we're thinking it will be Halliday and left and, and Tav at the right. And Andy Halliday will give everything. We know he gives everything, but we also know that he's, he's not a natural left back and things like that. So that will depend on who he puts in front of him as well. Um, for me, I don't think it can be Murphy because I don't think Murphy's fast enough to help Halliday at left back. So I would maybe go with somebody like Kent on the left-hand side who might be quicker to get back and help. But it's one of those things, If we have a two-goal lead, we should be going there with confidence um, and to do our own thing as well. Um, I think Andy Halliday can handle himself and I think he, he, he should be okay on a one-off. If it was a longer-term solution, then yeah, I would be more worried than I am. But hopefully the guys, hopefully there's enough about them experience in Katic. And we saw how Ryan Jack covered as well uh, really effectively when, when Tav lost out and stuff like that against Ostrich at home when I thought Jack was exceptional. I wouldn't be surprised if he alters it slightly and puts Ta uh, Jack over 
on on the left kind of side of midfield to cover back for Howdy. So the the other thing as well that we do have is we've got a management team in in Gerard McAllister, Michael Beale. They, they know what they're doing. So I I don't fear it as much previously. Maybe I'm I'm still in the, the Stephen Gerrard kind of love mould at the moment where nothing can go wrong for him. But certainly for me, I'm prepared to trust the management that they'll know there's a weakness there potentially and, and we'll sort it accordingly. I think that's very well put. Um, it is, it is a, a bit of a concern, but you're right. The Just seeing Stephen Gerrard and Gary McAllister in the dugout, it, it inspires confidence and, and we've got good players. We know we can absorb pressure. It's um, it's an exciting one, and I, I I really cannot wait for for Thursday. Um, and then obviously, if we're if we're going to dare to dream and, and look ahead past Maribor, I think the draw's been kind to us. Um, I'm sure everyone that's listening is aware that you know if we get past Maribor, we're either going to Russia to face Ufa, um, or it will be a repeat of last year's uh, draw against Progress Nizercorn from Luxembourg. I'll lay my cards on the table. I moved. To Luxembourg four weeks ago so uh, for me there is a I really 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 would like this to go one way and, and for Nizakorn to come back and get back into that tie and have a have Rangers over here in Luxembourg um, David for you how do you see it would you rather have a repeat of last year maybe settle some old scores against Nizakorn or is that just going to drag up too many painful memories would you rather have the away day out in Russia I'd just like to get through this uh, second leg get, get through I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself Yes, Ross. Um, if I could just quickly um, that back to the Andy Halley thing. Uh, the, the the number two, the, the guy that was playing right back for for Maribor the other night, he gave John Flanagan some issues in the second half. Um, I'm slightly uneasy about Andy Halley playing at left back, assuming that that's how it's, the, the team's going to be set up. Um, if it was me, I'd be tempted to go to a back three. Uh, I know that, that there's, you know, there may well not be the personnel to deploy that formation, but that's um, that's not to say that we, we, we might dip into the market in the next couple of days to, to get someone that could enable us to play that formation. And I'm assuming, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm assuming that there may well be um, a wild card to, to play for the tie. Um, so... But to get back to what you're asking me regarding Ufa and Nidacorn, yeah, it'd be good to, to exercise some demons um, against Nidacorn. It's obviously be a, a far handier trip for, for the fans. Um, you know, going to Russia against Ufa, I don't know anything about Ufa. Um, I, I don't pay too much attention to the Russian Premier League. Um, in fact, I'd never actually heard of the, the club. So... I don't know much about them. Uh, I dare say if we do manage to progress, um, that I'll, I'll brush up with my knowledge of them. Obviously, neither corn have, have shown it to be to be no mugs. They've obviously taken a, a lot of confidence from um, knocking us out last season. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be, let's, let, let's go over this hurdle first, Ross, and then what we can uh, think about the, the Russians or the Luxembourg team uh, in the next round. You're too sensible, David. I'm here daring to dream. I'm I'm booking my flights to Baku. I think we're going all the way, honestly. Um, no, of course you're right. It's uh, it's just it's, I remember having a, a having one of these podcast episodes a few weeks back, and we were talking. I think you were on the pod as well, David. That night we were talking about how far should we reasonably expect to go in the Europa League, and I think we all kind of said 
yeah, we should we should get through the first qualifying round. Anything after that might be a bit of a bonus um, because of the way that the coefficient works and the seatings and that kind of thing. So for us to be now looking at who we might well be getting, if we get through 90 more minutes of football without losing, then we're in the fourth qualifying round, the playoff round. We've got a reasonably favourable draw in that, in that we've got either Progress Niedercorn, the, the second or third best team from Luxembourg, or the sixth best team from Russia. Both of those teams, to me, should be beatable. I don't want to do any team a disservice or be disrespectful, but both of those teams, for me, should be beatable. So we are looking so favourable to get into the group stages, which I three or four weeks ago when we recorded that podcast, for me, was just absolutely... I, I, I wouldn't have thought that possible just because of the way these, these qualifiers are set up. And, and I'm absolutely delighted that Stephen Gerrard's come in and been able to immediately give us a bit of a European run. I think the fans needed it as well. Um, so I think it's, it's really, really positive in that regard. Right, finally for this evening, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take a little look at the transfer window. Um, as I mentioned, the transfer window down in England slammed shut this week. Um, with the media coverage, uh, the way it is, you might think that uh, every transfer window across the world had closed, but it's just England that's shut. Scotland, we're still open until the end of the month um, and we can still loan players from England, I believe that's correct. So there's still plenty of business to be done. Um, but with transfer deadline day down in England, we did see some departures from our squad. And I'm sure everyone's aware that, that Josh Windass travelled down to Wigan um, after a, a wee bit of a mini bidding war maybe with, with Wigan and Ipswich. Um, and Declan John travelled to Swansea on what looked initially like a loan deal, but it turns out it's, it's a permanent deal. He's, he's away permanently. What we'll do is we'll start with Josh Windass because I cannot think of a single podcast that we've done when Josh Windass's name hasn't come up in one form or another, whether that's praising him for scoring goals or criticising him for going missing and not having a, a good work ethic. He's always been a bit of a mystery, a bit of an enigma, very difficult to work out. Um, and, and his departure has once again split opinions amongst the fans. Stevie, coming to you first, what will Josh Windass's legacy be at Rangers? What will people look back on and, and what will their opinion be of Josh Windass in five or ten years' time? History tends to look a wee bit kinder um, onto Rangers managers and Rangers players and things like that as people get nostalgic. And they'll probably look back at Josh's 18 goals last year and goals at Easter Road and things like that and, and remember him fondly. If you ask anybody at the moment what they think of Josh Windass is the... The opinion of him and my from what my experience is on on the blog and stuff like that is it's Josh Windass is haunted by his Shushin celebration at um, for Hill and also haunted by his at times moronic behaviour on, on Twitter and social media, not only him but also his father as well. For me, that was a major hindrance to Josh Windass because people just couldn't take to him. There was a certain element about Josh Windass that, that possibly thought that he was better than than he was and and than everybody else, and I think that's a real shame because Josh Windass had quality. He don't score that many goals last season and assists, and we know he's got pace, and he could have been very useful for us. But I just don't think his attitude was right. Doesn't mean it wasn't. It just means that how it how it came across to me sometimes. I found them to be very frustrating. And that, that for me, is my personal legacy of Josh Windass, is that he was a good player, but he could have been so much better. He could have been a 
a great player for Rangers, but instead he's went away as a decent player, but somebody that was so far up his own backside that he never ever fulfilled how good he should have been. And that for me is a massive shame. He's a player I liked as a person off the field. I'm not sure that he was, was kind of maybe a bit young and maybe a bit immature for Rangers. And that's not a criticism of Josh Windass. It's just the way he came across to me. And I just, I can't help but feel a frustration about his, his kind of time and how he performed and how he should have performed. Um, I just think the whole thing's a shame. However, 2.2 million, couple of clauses and things in it. I'm quite happy for it to move on. We've done decent business with that, in my opinion. Business-wise, it's, it's a, a good deal, I think. I mean, what was it? We, we paid 50, 60 grand nominal fee to Accrington Stanley and to sell him on for 2.2 million. I'm not even going to try and do the maths and work out what percentage of in, uh, profit that is. Um, maybe that will go down as Mark Warburton's legacy is is turning that profit on Josh Windass. Um, I think you're right. He's, he's scored some some big goals, some very important goals. One that sticks in the mind for me was a, a lovely goal he scored last season away against Hearts at Murrayfield. I thought it was a lovely goal. Technique, um, poise, you know, he, he showed composure, he showed he had a good brain on him at that point. But some of the things that he does off the pitch, some of the things he does on the pitch, there's just, it's just brainless, it's just senseless. Um, and, and maybe it is, there's, there's just too much baggage with him. Um, but you're right, he, he, there, wasn't a, there was an aura of thinking he's better than he is, thinking he's better than everyone else. And maybe that he never quite grasped the gravity of being at a club like Rangers. Maybe he never quite understood that level of scrutiny that he was constantly under. Um, and maybe he did. Maybe, maybe his way of responding to the stresses and pressures of playing for Rangers was to act like a, like a bit of an idiot at times on the internet. Um, and, and fair enough, he's a young guy. And it's, it's, it's such a culture change going from Accrington Stanley to playing for Rangers. Um, and, and we shouldn't underestimate that because not many people will ever kind of have to make that make that switch. Um, what I will say though is, anyone that's listened to these pods regularly will will kind of know my opinion on Josh Windass, and I've been very critical of him in in the past. I think he's a good player, but he he, he wastes it and he wastes a lot of um, good feeling that the fans have for him. But I think there's the the difficulty with Josh Windass comes in that he's not bright enough to have realised what he had and and what could have been. And playing for a club like Wigan, I think he'll do very, very well. Um, I just think it's a shame that, that he could never have, have kicked on and been the player that he probably could have been if he, if he fulfils his potential, which you're right, Stevie, it's, it's just a shame. David, how about yourself? What will your lasting memories be of Josh Windass? Difficult to see, Ross. Um, the overwhelming impression I got of Josh Windass was that he was a player that, that, um, that needed to be loved, both by his, his, his coach and the fans. Um, as Stevie mentioned, that he, Josh had attributes, um, tremendous pace, great acceleration, uh, and, he, and he could finish. Um, Obviously, it wasn't the finished article by any manner of the means, but um, I thought that this season, that, that this would have been the season for him to really push on and show us what he was capable of. Obviously, the, he's, he's asked to play in a certain position. The manager's 
taking that on board and said, well, I can't guarantee you a lot of game time there. I see you playing elsewhere in the team. And I think the lad himself has said, well, I prefer to do myself justice in the position that I feel I'm strongest playing. Hence the reason why he's went to Wigan. I agree with you entirely. Um, he's went to, to a smaller club and he'll never play, well, I'm sticking my neck out here. I don't foresee him playing for a bigger club than Rangers. So, um, yeah, it, overwhelming, I think, the feeling about it. I mean, it's disappointment. I think there's, there was talent there that could have been honed and, and nurtured and, and taken on. And he may well have, have became a, a really good player. Whether that was, you know, enough to yeah, earn a big money move, a really big money move down to England and, and break into the England team, I don't know if you'll ever be that standard, but you never know. So um, I think the overwhelming feeling is, is one of, uh, of, of probably disappointment, actually. Yeah, I think that's something, that's a feeling you share with probably most of the Rangers fans, if I'm honest. The other transfer that happened for us on, on English deadline day was Declan John making a move back to Wales, moving to Swansea on a permanent deal, kind of Sources reporting it's maybe seven hundred and fifty, eight hundred thousand pounds that he's gone for. Um, we brought him obviously on on loan originally, and then then made that loan deal permanent last January, I believe. David, staying with you, Declan John for me wasn't a wasn't a bad player at all when he came and did a job. But with us signing John Flanagan and and Borna Barisic, who are probably a, a level above, was the writing kind of on the wall for Declan John this season? Yeah, I would have thought so. Um, Declan Johnny is a decent player. Um, don't think he's a you know terribly great defender. More of one of these kind of a modern day um, attacking wing back almost. Um, definitely, he's, 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 his best attributes are definitely going forward rather than going back the way in the pitch. Um, and I don't think he was ever going to really uh, bypass John Flanagan in the, in the selection stakes. So. Uh, that's before he even factored Lee Wallace into the equation, assuming that, he, that Lee would still have a future. Um, obviously, um, Borners came in, and again, uh, given Declan's size, I, I really, you know, I think that there, was, there wasn't too many uh, ways back into the reckoning for the guy. So, um, I also heard that his, his, his mum's apparently not well, so I think that may well have played a part in him back home. So. Yeah, all the best to Declan and Josh for that matter. Ah, absolutely, all the best. I think Declan John will go with the best wishes of every Rangers fan. He came in when we needed him. He did a he did a solid job, and he's been moved on for again excellent profit. My lasting memory of Declan John will be a game away at Hamilton that I was at last season when uh, we went one 0 down quite early on, and then Declan John scored twice. Um, and he he ran the game that night. He was absolutely superb. So I think he does go with every Rangers fan's best wishes and. I'll keep an eye out and I hope he does a good job down at Swansea. I see that their fans haven't taken too kindly to him given that he used to play for Cardiff, but uh, I hope he does well. But I think we, we probably did need to improve. Most fans will have acknowledged that we needed to improve in that area. Um, and I think it's it's clear that we have done. Stevie, the two players we've mentioned there, Josh Windass and Declan John, both were brought in on reasonably small transfer fees and have been punted away for, for quite large profit. Would you say that this is proof of a successful business model? Is this the kind of business model that, that we should be striving towards? I think that um, it's definitely going to be the, the business model that Mark Allen will strive towards. You've already seen it. I mean, the club have done really smart business this summer, in my opinion, bringing in guys like Katic and, and Barisic for 
you know, 1.5 million apiece. If you look at it that way, we've, we've upgraded on John for 700,000. And that's not, uh, that's not a slight on Declan John. I thought Declan John was very decent for us. I, again, I wish both the boys all the best that have left. No else from me. Um, but if you look at it that way, if Barisic and, and Katic perform for a 1.5 million outlay, then the business model is going to work because we're going to be looking at getting hopefully in the you know the, the kind of five six seven million pound region with these guys and we want that to happen because it means they've performed well it means they've contributed and it means that that's how we can be in profit as a as a club so yeah i mean judging by what's come out of ibrox and what people have said that's definitely the, the way we want to to look at it and it's nice to see the club something you touched on earlier on me it's nice to see the club actually branching out they're using guys like Papach to scout the Bosnian creation leagues and things like that and there is gems out there to be had seeing the quality of, of Barisic um, in the games he played against us we've seen him a wee bit today we've seen the quality of Katic already 1.5 million was what we paid for Cardoso last year and this is what we paid this summer so yeah business model that, that we had for John and for Windass and stuff is certainly and hopefully the kind of thing that we want to carry on as a club because that's how we'll survive. Yeah, the transfers might be a lot in terms of who comes in and out, but if that happens, then it's working and that's how we'll profit and that's how we'll get bigger and better as a club as well. That's a really interesting point that you made there that 1.5 million is what we spend on, on Fabio Cardozo. That really does put it into perspective. Um, you know, the, the journey that we've been on in the last 12 months, let alone six years. Obviously, you know, we've, we've had these two players moving away. We've also had Greg Doherty going down to, to Shrewsbury on loan. Um, but I think most fans will kind of acknowledge that there are still gaps in the squad that, that could probably be filled. And for me, and I think for most fans, we're looking at maybe trying to strengthen and reinforce um, in the striker area, we you know we we really should be bringing in someone else to push Morelos and and Umar Sadiq. Um, there's rumours flying about, particularly you know the Kyle Lafferty rumours. Colin mentioned these last week on the on the podcast, and the Kyle Lafferty rumour is is going nowhere. He scored a wonderful goal against Celtic this weekend to to give Hearts three points there. Um, that rumour doesn't seem to be going away. Dominic Solanke, rumour on loan from Liverpool, also doesn't seem to be going away. That might have been slightly impacted with uh, Liverpool losing a striker down to Southampton on transfer deadline day. It's hard to say. Stevie, whilst we've got you on the pod, um, you've broken so many transfer stories over the last couple of years on your Four Lads Had a Dream blog. I take it you're picking up on these Solanke and Lafferty rumours as well. Yeah, I mean, the Solanke one... Has been has been there. We blogged on this lanky one, possibly. I think it was the start of July, and we basically said that we had learned that there was a tie-in with Liverpool, and we were basically a first option on anyone that's, that's outgoing. And that was there was five players that we had heard that they had sounded out Liverpool and said, "Well, let's let's look at these guys: um, Kent, Wilson, Woodburn, Ings, and Solanke." Um, that was then actually carried by the Liverpool Echo and other, um, like the COP um, site down for Liverpool fans and stuff, all seemed to carry the same story. So 
from there, you know, the Solanke rumour really hasn't went away. There's a lot of people saying that he's the, the jewel in the crown and things like that. However, over the last weekend, the last kind of 48 hours, that rumour is getting knocked on the head. Um, we're getting told that that's not been done. Um, we're getting told that that's not happening. So a couple of things to remember here as well, we've said this on previous pods as well, that there's no doubt now that the club are operating differently. They're not as open and honest with um, the the kind of um, papers and journalists and things like that. They're not telling them anything. There's only three real people at Ibrooks that know what's going on in the transfer market. It's Mark Allen, Andy Scolding and Stephen Gerrard and it's close-knit and that's how they've stopped things getting out because the amount of things that were getting out in January, I mean, we practically knew everything about the club and they've really done well with, with help to, to kind of plug that now. You still get the odd thing coming out and that basically comes from teams down south and things like that. I mean, Gerard was talking about the Jack Simpson deal and how he was upset that that news had come out. That came from Bournemouth themselves. Looks as if that's been knocked on the head as well due to their injuries. But going back to the previous one, we're talking about Kyle Lafferty. Over the last 48 hours again with the Solanke news, Lafferty, both clubs are talking again. And they seem to be close, we think, to an agreement. Um, and we know that Kyle will walk here. Um, I expect that one to be done. Um, everything is pointing towards it being likely. Um, all the people that I speak to are, are saying that they expect it to be done. There's a lot of people saying maybe it'd be done Monday, Tuesday and things like that. I don't like to put a date on things because Rangers have, have said that things are going to be done and it's taking days and ends and all, all, all past it. But yeah, I mean, I'm certainly expecting hoping that Lafferty will be done but as you guys know with um, until things are, are kind of you know until he's standing at Ibrooks with his, his scarf in there anything can happen but Kyle Lafferty to me hopefully by the time this this goes out on Tuesday morning hopefully that we'll be a lot further on with the Lafferty deal David how does that sound to you Kyle Lafferty comes with a certain history with the club obviously but also with a certain amount of baggage um, is Kyle Lafferty the answer to our striker gaps there, or uh, do you think it's a, a risk not worth taking? From a playing perspective, uh, I would back it. Um, he's obviously so fit to, to go public with his, his gambling issues last season. If he's if he's getting help for that and he's 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 getting over that, then I wouldn't tend to have too many worries about him. Um, the only um, question mark I would have is possibly over his temperament when he's playing Celtic in Rangers jersey. Um, and other clubs for that matter, but I think he's—I think that Kyle Lafferty that we can remember playing for Rangers laterally before he left, and, and the Kyle Lafferty that's playing for Hearts. I think you've seen a more mature player. Um, I think his experience in uh, playing with Sion and in Switzerland and uh, Palermo and Serie B. He's obviously he's he's seen other sides to to life, uh, other ways of doing things. Um, I think he was he was criticised by the, the Palermo president or someone within the, the higher echelons of the, the Palermo setup about how he's um, how he led his life off the pitch. He's probably um, did a bit of self appraisal and uh, well, I can think he's, he's quite happy in his, his private life. So, yeah, from a footballing perspective, I think Kyle Lafferty could be a worthwhile buy, providing we get him at a good price. Um, I think he'll take a lot of the weight off Alfie's shoulders. And I'd like to think that with uh, 
with him, Alfie and Dumar up front, and possibly Jamie Murphy playing a more um, central role, I think we might be not too badly covered in terms of when it comes to strikers. For, for me, the important point there is for the right price. Um, he's not someone I would want to spend a huge amount of the budget on. Uh, I don't imagine his wage demands would be too concerningly high. Um, but there's no point in, in spending over his value. I think he's a he's a decent player who will score goals and will put in a shift for the team and has the heart to play for Rangers. But he also he has a value and there's no point in paying extortionately over the odds for him. Um, because as as Stevie's mentioned actually earlier on the pod, there are gems to be had in other markets. And so if we cannot get Kyle Lafferty at a certain price, I think we have to stand firm and, and walk away because because there there will be alternatives. We have a decent scouting system now and there will be alternatives out there. Stevie, just one final point. We've spoken there about you know possibly needing to bring in another striker. Do you think there's anywhere else on the park that we need to be strengthening or do you think that will kind of be business done? No, definitely going to bring in a centre-back. That's um, as, as far as strikers are concerned that's as much a priority for Gerard as it is a striker. So I would expect them to be done. But there's other other things to consider. I think maybe still be in the market for a midfielder, possibly a number ten kind of role. Um, it looks like Graham Dorn's ankle injury is pretty severe. That is the that is the, the bad news received in the last few days. Um, he is being sent down to London by the club, um, and. From the player itself, we don't expect to see him in this calendar year. So that's really disappointing. Would they then go to replace him? Would they use the Windass money to replace Windass and get a number 10? We think that Dorans might have been playing there. So that leaves us short. So I wouldn't be surprised. And I still expect centre-half, a striker, and somebody else in, in that kind of midfield role so yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's still scope for excitement for us. Um, with the English transfer window closing, Gerard's connections, you never know what can happen there. But um, there's still still business to be done for Rangers, in my opinion. There you go, there's a wee Gersnet podcast exclusive for everyone. Um, I think it's, you're right, you know, we sometimes can forget that there's these transfer windows go on for so long and there's still a few weeks left of this one. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, in England, obviously, they shut their transfer window this season before the league started so that the, the squad that you have is the squad that you go with. Um, and a lot of fans favour that that approach. But I think there's a lot of merit to be had in in having a transfer window that extends into the season a wee bit because, you know, in, in our position, especially when we've had such a high turnover, I think it's something like 21 players released or sold, 11 players brought in at the moment such a high turnover of players, it's good to see these players getting a few games and with that proper game time, we can identify where we still need to improve. And I think that's very useful for us at the moment. So I think you're right, Stevie. I think that there has to be movement up front, movement at the back. Um, and if, if that's true about Graham Dorans, you know, not, not coming back for this calendar year, then you know, with, with Greg Doherty moving down to Shrewsbury, with Josh Windass going to Wigan, um, you know, maybe it does leave us a little bit light in midfield. Um, I guess then the question will always be down to budgets and, and to the finances, but that's, uh, I guess that's the way of every football club. So to end the show this week, we're going to do the, the same segment as we do every week. It's the infamous Sevco of the week. This is where we troll Twitter 
um, and try and find the most obscure, random, or downright deranged reference to Sevco from a moronic Celtic fan. Um, Stevie, yourself running the Four Lads Had a Dream blog, I suppose you must get all sorts of interactions from the obsessed hordes. Have you seen anything particularly amusing online this week? Oh yeah, um, even when they're playing, they're too busy um, tweeting us and talking to us about Sevco, but they just get ignored. But I do enjoy, and I've mentioned this before, the Kerrydale Meltdown on Twitter is, is the best site for all their stuff. And yesterday was was an absolute classic. I love this one. Um, and it basically said, Lafferty and Naismith, horrible Sevco, these. We are meant to be champions and they're just effing laughing at us. I feel like I'm going to faint. Genuinely, weekend ruined. I'm so gutted. I just thought that was lovely. <laughs> Genuinely, weekend ruined. I'm so gutted. It's... um. Right, firstly, I've never fainted at a football result before. Um, I'd love it. I love how upset they get. It's it's almost poetic, that, the emotion coming through there. I can really feel it. I've got one myself as well this week. I found uh, a Twitter account, just goes by the name of Joe. He's not even got a, twi- a, a picture of himself. But Joe clearly has his finger on the pulse this week. He's pointed out, there's a rumour going round that it's actually Liverpool that are paying Gerrard's wages, like a loan deal or something. It's all hush-hush, so it makes you wonder where all the new cash for the new players is coming in from. If they are at it again, it'll all come crashing down. And actually, I've got to admire Joe here because Joe has clearly been a private detective or some kind of investigator in a past life because how is it that all these hush-hush things going on at Rangers, whether it's a roof falling down or Liverpool are actually loaning Steven Gerrard to us as a manager, how is it that none of the media pick up on these it's always some mad, obsessed, rabid guy on Twitter that finds out he's, he's got to the bottom of some massive footballing scandal, some big conspiracy that Liverpool are actually loaning Steven Gerrard to us as a manager. It's all hush-hush, but Joe's found a way. Joe knows how to find these things out. So I've got to respect Joe for that. Great, guys. That'll do it for us this week. Um, all that's left for me to do is to say thanks to, to Stevie and to David for coming on and joining me for a, for a good chat this week. I also need to say, as, as always, a big thank you to Graham, our audio engineer, for putting the show together. If you've enjoyed the show, there'll be another podcast for you next Tuesday. Um, I'm sure Colin will be back to talk you through the Maribor result and, and the game against Kilmarnock. If you've enjoyed the show, you can also check out the Jersnet website, jersnet.co.uk. Join the forum. Um, all the contributors from the podcast tonight are on the forum, so you can have a, a good chat and debate with us up there. Um, also look out for Jersnet on all the social media pages Twitter, Facebook and the like what I'd also like to say is if you've enjoyed the show definitely head over to check out the Will We Welcome the Chase podcast they're good friends of ours here over at Jersnet and they always put together a very slick professional production so if you've enjoyed us definitely check them out so that's going to wrap it up for us here at Jersnet Podcast hope you enjoyed the show and we'll catch up with you guys next week (laughs) 